All right, let's get started. <clears throat> Hello and welcome everybody to the Mel and Mancy podcast, episode 72. My name is Dylan. My name is Vic. I'm Rick. See, when you play it up with excitement, you don't need to open with a joke. You didn't even notice. Sure. Or did you? <laughs> Couldn't I tell. mean, everybody's going to know now. Yeah, you did kind of just lay it out. I know. Now they're all going to know, and I'm not editing that one out. Because uh, I'm not going to have any time to fucking edit because uh, I've been a little busy lately. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have noticed. Because, <laughs> like, Discord uh, likes to tell people what games I'm playing on the PS5 since I linked my account together with it. But uh, You and Vampire. I beat Vampire, actually. I can talk about that later, too, if we want. Uh, I've, I've been playing the new Final Fantasy, actually. <laughs> nice. There are no other games. If we end early enough today's episode i'm gonna play it tonight and i'm probably gonna keep playing it until it's over because holy shit um i am terrified of spoilers right because like i'm i'm totally unspoiled the only thing i know about the ending is that there are people who i guess never played a final fantasy before and their opinion of the ending was wow what a twist uh it's almost like everything before didn't matter it was like some kind of like final fantasy 8 tier fucking like sharp turn right but like yeah. i've played a final fantasy game before that's what i expected like <laughs> well I, it, it's funny because like I, I mean we're at this point we're not we're not going to be able to avoid talking about 16 yeah i i have seen some takes online that make me want to like inflict harm upon myself tear my hair so out of my head. it's some fucking mind-blowing shit to you you gonna elaborate Oh I, oh, I will. Sorry, I will later as as we get through because I'll let Dylan. Why don't, get why don't I leave with first. that? Because uh, I was actually looking forward to giving my like I think halfway through the game impressions. Um, for those that have played the game, if you know, you know. I just beat Titan. That's not a spoiler. He fighting Titans in the trailer, right? Ooh, surprise! You fight Titan at some point. I think that's halfway through the game. Um, just because I've done a lot of shit and I I'm many many hours in at this point. So I think I'm ready to give my halfway through it, first impressions, and I will definitely be giving an update in a future episode after I beat the game. So why don't we go ahead and leave with that, just because it's, you know, it's not every day a new Final Fantasy game is released into the world, uh, and I've always been a big fan of the franchise. Like, it's very dear to me, um, even though I know there's some people out there that probably think Final Fantasy is kind of basic uh, as far as RPGs go, and they would be right. I'd say it's the baseline. It's the standard. Yeah. yeah, it's what things were built on. Like, mm -hmm. Final Fantasy is also a big deal in the West. It's a lot bigger deal in the West than it is in Japan, ironically. Yeah, that is kind of weird. That might be why they went with some of the decisions they did. And I've seen some absolute brain-dead fucking takes about the game that I would love to dig into. Uh, but let me start my first impressions, and then uh, we'll go from there. So, so far, the game's fucking amazing. Right, I haven't dropped it. Obviously, I was never gonna. Even if it was awful, I would have stuck it out till the end. Uh, but I wanna, I wanna compare it to some some other Final Fantasy games, just for the sake of comparison, because it feels fair to compare it to other Final Fantasy games, because it is one franchise, right? Even though yeah. all the games are so drastically different. So, um, 15's recent in your memory, victim. You recently played it and you liked it a lot, right? Oh um, yeah, easily one of my favorite. Yeah, and I recommend 15 to everyone. I was that crazy man who would say, hey, 15's actually good. Don't believe the the overhated like anti-hype, right? Because, yeah, sure, it's kind of bullshit that you have to watch a movie, watch a four-episode anime, and um, 
get all the DLCs to enjoy the game. But if you just get the Royal Edition, you don't have to do any of that. Well, I mean, so yeah, <laughs> it's not like the game released with Royal Edition. Right. Yeah. The, right. Well, that's something we need to talk about. Like the game on release, Final Fantasy 15 deserved its criticism because like the developers even went back and they're like, hey, you know, that shitty section that we added when you first go to the city and we take away all your weapons. We're going to let you play it differently with somebody else because that section is so terrible and we acknowledge it's so terrible. So victim never had to play through that. Um, yeah, well, I've seen good it. For you. I, I, I've seen it on. Yeah. So I, I, but, I experienced it though, but like I didn't hate the game, and I played it in its broken initial state, right? Like I, I was a little late to the party. Like I got all the the date, the the month one patches or what have you, right? Like, yeah. So it wasn't unplayable. Uh, but I don't recall performance related complaints. It was mostly wow, chapter thirteen is pretty awful, and um, the ring is underpowered, and the ending uh, final dungeon is lackluster. Which victim you also didn't have to see. Um, yeah, I, I think the only thing that I did see it was the I think it was the one thing that they just probably couldn't have removed was the initial issue, or I guess it was more or less the climax issues of uh, Lunafra, mm-hmm. and. I think that that is probably the biggest, like, I would say even with all the other issues that people had, that's probably got to be the largest one. Yeah. So, like, I get it, right? 15 is a flawed game, and I'm still that crazy man that recommended but it to Arden, so many people. Arden exists. He's so good. Such a great villain, right? Does so it, he, he carried the game for me. Like Absolutely. So yeah. 15 was great. I want to compare it to 16 now. So... Uh, 15 had a DLC roadmap out the gate and a movie that released with the game and all that stuff. Uh, Final Fantasy 16 does not have a DLC plan, does not have any DLC at all. Uh, I mean, they could add some later. I'd buy it because uh, I, I like it I that much. I did see something about DLC on the way, but I might be wrong. But it's not like a missing chunk of the story that needs to be put in, right? right. Yeah, they did, I think they announced it close to launch, but like it was, it was very late in... Yeah. Also, everything that's been like crazy in a trailer happens in the game and is just as crazy in the game as it was in the trailer. Like, there's no like, there's no Omen trailer like 15 had. I don't know if you remember the Omen trailer, but uh, the Omen trailer feels like false advertising. (laughs) Well, a big part of what happened with 15 as well is that it wasn't supposed to be 15. Right. It was verse 13 and they changed directors and then uh, halfway through their relatively successful um dlc you know rescue boat campaign right they got rid of the director um when he was slated to release another season of dlc that would have really picked up 15 and that that gets me into the first like brain dead take i've heard online um a lot of people are complaining about the number and duration of the cutscenes. and some of the cutscenes can be really wordy because they're they contain dialogue between two people um some of them uh are cinematic and don't have so much dialogue because the world is very pretty right like there's a variety it's not all talking all the time when you when you say wordy you don't mean like word bloat though right you just mean like no i just mean to talk about there's a lot to discuss and these people are talking it's like okay i hate that criticism because they these people have no idea how much money uh i and probably you victim would pay if we could buy 
Final Fantasy 15 DLC that added more fucking exposition. Oh, fucking in a heartbeat. They're like, yo, Dude. here's the enhanced edition. It's 15 more dollars, and we just added, like, three more hours of fucking dialogue across the game in a heartbeat. Dude, absolutely. And it's like, and that might that's sound all I wanted. Insane. For the record, I realized for some people that might sound absolutely insane. But the game, I feel like if you when you're going to a narrative heavy and a story heavy game, which... RPGs, by nature, just are those things. You should be expecting that. Now, word bloat, for the record, is bad, regardless. Mm. It's not Shakespeare, it's English. But, yeah, exactly. Like, as long as they're not, like, spending 30 minutes to get across what they could in five, it being lengthy is is honestly preferred in my books. Mm -hmm. So, let me me tell you how they pull it off. So, in, in 16, right... There are multiple competing factions. It's very reminiscent of Final Fantasy XII if the minor factions mattered more, right? Um, and in that sense, there's a lot of named important characters that don't get along that matter and are doing things as the plot progresses that will impact our main character and the grander plot at large, right? And it's kind of hard if you're not paying attention or if you don't care to keep these details straight. But at any time in the vast majority of the cutscenes, like the only ones that won't let you do this on are like the really action-packed ones, right? Pause the game and then you'll get like a bunch of pop-ups that uh, give you like little bite-sized like wiki entry notes on what all the things in the scene are about. Like, for example, let's say two characters are talking and I hit the button, right? Maybe it's a scene that the main character's not in. It's like, meanwhile, at the Legion of Doom, this is happening, right? Um, You you click the button. They call it active time lore, right? Like active time battle, active time lore, ATL. Ha, I get it, right? Um, And it will tell you footnotes about the major characters, the nations they're from, the events they're referencing, or the magical mechanics that they're talking about. Like, I'll name a few and not tell you what they are. Uh, like the crystals curse, the the final sin of Desmex or whatever the fuck, right? And it's like I don't know yeah. what those are. You explained it once, and I can go read a two sentence blurb like a wiki, and I love that. And you know what? There's uh, uh, an NPC good. at your home that lets you read them all that you've gathered so far, and they're all context in the moment. It doesn't spoil anything. That's like, good, because I think that's an issue with some games where they're like, oh, you know what, it's been like five hours since we mentioned this, like, important lore bit, but, like, it hasn't come up yet. Like, we should just re- we should just re-exposition dump about it. It's like, please don't do that. I probably remembered. I get, like, some people won't, but then having the option to get it is is probably the next best thing, right? It's like, or, or sorry, like, is a better option. Imagine some poor kid is on disc two of Final Fantasy seven, right? And yeah. they're about to get to Nibelheim and they have forgotten what it means to have Mako eyes. And imagine it comes up in a conversation in that part of the game. They hit the fucking active time lore button and it's like, oh, right. It means this. I'm on board. Resume cutscene. And it's like, I understand yeah. it. That's fucking cool. I, I actually <laughs> really like that. I, I, I like that a lot. actually. And it's it doesn't very good spoil idea. nothing. Like there, there are characters that betray other characters or you. And it's like their betrayal will not be spoiled. But it will be referenced in the next update to their wiki entry when you encounter them again. <laughs> I like this idea for it because, um, as you were pointing out, it is like a story-heavy game. RPGs mm-hmm. generally are. Hell, even like uh, games as old as I think uh, Sonic Adventure would give you little like blurbs because you had like seven different characters you could pick from, right? So 
if you started playing Sonic and then you're like, you know what, I won't, I unlock Tails, I want to play Tails, and you go back to Sonic, it'll give you a little update on the story as far as Sonic was concerned. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah, I do remember that, actually. But that's a big deal, because these are not small games. I mean, then that was, like, I don't know how big the Sonic Adventure was comparatively, but these are long games. And sometimes we drop little things early on where we're like, hey, Bob, Bob, you know, is a uh, smorgborg, and smorgborgs all have uh, special eyes that glow purple. And then we see Bob 14, you know, hours later, or not Bob, we see a guy in a hooded figure, you know, a hooded figure 14 hours later with purple eyes, and we're like, oh, hey, I remember that special, but I forget why. Right. It's so nice. Like, imagine, like, I, I just keep envisioning myself playing through old Final Fantasy games with this feature. Like, imagine you're you're playing Final Fantasy VIII and um, you you don't remember like who's the Great Hind, what's that crater doing, etc. Why is there a crater in Trabia? I don't know. Um, but if why is you, my school flying? You can figure it out with uh. There's actually there's actually an in-game menu for this um in Final Fantasy VIII that kind of explains some of these concepts, but you have to like do certain side quests to unlock it all. I think it has to do with like the Laguna side quest with like the timber, like uh, articles. Um, but like, you can find out like backstory for final fantasy eight's world. And like, who the fuck is the great hind? A lot of people probably went through that game and probably never figured that out. Right. Um, and they probably thought the story was weak cause they didn't fucking read it. Uh, <laughs> cause they didn't unlock it all. Cause it's not just going to be dialogue between characters. And I love that. Right. Like, I was that kid that would walk around Final Fantasy VIII's world map and keep hitting triangle to see the name of the zone I was standing in. If you gave me a map of the Western continent, I could probably draw a dotted line of where I think the border of Dalit and Galbadia is, right? And most people who played that game back in the day were like, I thought it was one land, one country. Like, no, there, it's fucking not. Like, <laughs> there's a backstory going on here. Well, and that's a big deal. Yeah. Like, and that's, Something I think that uh, with what it sounds like with 16 is that they're kind of laying on, despite you being the main character and the most important, you know, mm -hmm. the person that drives most of the plot, other characters exist and they're driving the plot in their own way too. And I like that the game goes the extra mile to tell you just how they're driving the plot. Like, not only do we have this like wiki system that doesn't spoil anything, which is great because I love reading wikis, but I dare not read any wiki entries based on this game because it'll just be the spoilers, right? But like, giving it to me in game at the spoiler level I should be at for where I'm at. Perfect. But there's another system introduced like later in the game. It's not available right at the beginning where um, another character, uh, by the way, uh, one parallel is we're, we're comparing final fantasies to final fantasies, right? So one thing I also liked about 16 is like, do you remember in final fantasy eight, how uh, because of the way the plot plays out, squall, the main character becomes the leader of a group of people, right? And you know, he gets the flying school. He's not the pilot. He has a pilot. He's not a cook. He has a cafeteria full of cooks, right? He's a leader of a people, right? Right. And Clive is the leader of a people. He doesn't start out as one, but he, he eventually takes over and becomes leader of a people, right? And you really feel like it. Like there are people that administer the day-to-day -day tasks of your operation and you talk to them and they give you quests and stuff and they give you like details about how things are going. And they, if you complete side quests as the game progresses, your actions taken in those side quests, though they're not, there's not like optional choice in these side quests, but like the fact that you did them at all will be referenced in the future as a thing that you did. Right. 
to, to further the goals. So I, I really like how Clive is like the leader of a people just like Swall was like that feels because it feels like not everything rests on the player's shoulders, right? Also really hard to have like the main character of your game be also your pilot and your cook and your everything. It's like <laughs> man can only be in one spot at one time. It makes much more sense to make him the leader. Right. Well, right. And rather when games allowed the leader to be a leader instead of everything, because that was like actually one of my big drawbacks. I know we're not, this isn't a Final Fantasy, but one of my big drawbacks with Cult of the Lamb was mm -hmm. that I had to do everything for my cultists. Apparently, they were unable to cook food without my assistance. And so, like, what became, what started as a fun thing became tedium when you came back from your little dungeon cross. Because yeah. everything went to shit without you cooking all the food for them. <laughs> right, exactly. It's just not as fun as it should be. Uh, mm -hmm. it, you know, the balance isn't there. And, you know, as far as the game's concerned, the balance wasn't there. But also for the fact that it makes more sense to have the leader pointing his finger and say, you do this, you do that. Mm -hmm. So I tell you what, let me return to this point I was making a minute ago. Let me get back to my other point. So the other characters, the name characters in these other nations that are like rivals with each other or what have you whatever their relationship is they actually do like make big movement in the world and later on it's unlocked because clive is the leader of a people he has a person that keeps track of what all these nations are up to and it looks like a fucking grand strategy 4x game like you'll see like troop movements with giant arrows on the map pointing at places referencing things that have happened and like you can move the the, the point in time with l1 and r1 to see like the previous step of like Thing happened, thing happened, thing happened. And you can go all the way back to the start of the game because there's a couple of time skips. That's not a surprise. You've seen the character art um, and the demo, right? Like, obviously, there are multiple jumps in the age of these characters. Um, but, like, the entire plot of the game is, like, captured in this format where it's, like, I can see, like, armies moving on places, taking territory. I see their borders change over time, right? Or at least the troop positions on their borders, right? And... This is something that I would have really liked to see in Final Fantasy XII uh, to kind of drive the point across, like, how big is the Rosarian Empire, right? It, and um, how big of a deal was it that Arcadia took Damasca, right? Like, yeah, th that's important context that only someone who stared at the map of Ivelisse long enough like I did would actually have figured out that they try to tell you. <laughs> it sucks a little bit, too, that we we got the the remaster of twelve rather than a full-blown remake, because I think twelve probably would again would have been an amazing uh full remake. Um because it was a great game. It just ended too early and there was clearly a lot of background stuff they wanted to tell us, but just never got to. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that was the issue with that was that was the that was the main flaw of twelve. That's what I really like about sixteen so far, is that like every character's motivations so far are very fleshed out. And uh, even the side characters, like in uh, my my organization of people that I, I run, I'm, I'm not I'm trying to describe it because I'm, I'm trying to keep you out of the spoilers, right? Yeah, but yeah. Um, So I'm, I'm being vague on purpose, but like the people in your little group, uh, be them party members uh, or just people in your, your place, um, you do quests with them. They have spoken dialogue. They have lots of exposition. And I care more about every single one of those NPCs than I did for any of the NPCs outside of the party in Final Fantasy 15. I just don't give a shit about any of those NPCs. Do you even remember the name of the guy who you had to go to the bird's nest for in the no. the, the fish town? His name was Dino, did, and he didn't matter. 
the only the only NPC that had any fleshing out, or sorry, like non-playable, like yeah. like uh, you, you my point. Actual um, NPC, yes. Actual NPC was the little sister of what's his face. Uh, Here it names. Is. <laughs> I'm dropping all the names for the record. I I, I only remember Noctis and like Prompto. Uh, what was it? Uh, Gladio? There's Gladio and Ignis. Uh, I remember them. Yeah. It took me a second though. The little but, sister was Iris. Iris, that's right, right. And so, she was a guest in the party briefly. Yeah, yeah that's true. why you remember her. And then we've also got uh, uh, Dragoon Lady. Arnea. Oh, yeah. Arnea, yeah. Ar- yeah you know what? Yeah. That's fair. Arnea was also a really great character. I'm still sad that her DLC got axed. Yeah, me too. Well, of course, because it would have been so much fun to play as her. Mm-hmm. I, I think she was probably my favorite character outside the party. And then uh, naturally, you've got uh, uh, excluding Arden. Uh, I, I, I consider Arden an, an anomaly in and in, in, in right, right, right. And then, and then you've got uh, Sid because there's a Sid in every game, and they made her oh, weird, well, weirdly no. hot. It, Sid, Sid wasn't Sydney. That was that was the 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 joke. There was an actual Sid. It was her, her like grandfather. He mm-hmm. like right. he's a little bit more present later in the game, but like. He doesn't even really show up very much until the middle point. So Sid, the old man, and the guy that gives you the times three experience boost at Altitia, uh, yep. and some other dude, oh, Gladio's dad, are the four-man band for Noctis's dad in a mobile game. Yeah, oh, that's gross. And it's like, I'm not going to play that. I mean, I downloaded it because it was free a long time ago. I never touched it. I actually really hate that when, like, a game decides to put like lore relevant things in like now not just a mobile game you know if it were like a really high quality game you play on your phone that's one thing mm-hmm. but now they put it in a game that they clearly don't plan on fucking supporting and I, in fact i think that game is dead now yeah so that's that's the real issue it was so bad it's like I love 15, uh, and I really recommend the Royal Edition to everyone. But do you know what the Royal Edition has? It has all the important parts of Kingsglaive in a cutscene, and it has all the DLC included, uh, which some of it was real fucking important, like uh, like Ignis's DLC, especially. Like, I thought he got flashbanged. I thought that's like, I thought he just like did a deft maneuver uh, trying to save us when we blacked out or something, right? Uh, But it wasn't until his DLC came out that I realized the full like, breadth of like what he did for noctis and it really changes how you look at him in a good way right um but it's like that was such an important story beat to relegate to a dlc crazy well and i don't know what was going on honestly with um 15 other than it was just like broken on the development side Definitely. Uh, well, definitely. From what I understand, the I forget his name now. Fuck. Uh, the, the Tabata. No, no, the the, the fuck. Uh, the guy that went on to work on Kingdom Hearts. Nomura. Nomura. That's what it was. He. Um, from what I understand, is it was a pet project of his, and he couldn't get the team behind it, but he was unwilling to basically like he was being really stubborn about it. And so that's why in Remind, or the DLC for Kingdom Hearts 3, he finally managed to push it through. Right, the DLC for Kingdom Hearts 3 has a character uh, who looks a lot like Noctis in a town that looks a lot like Insomnia. Yeah. It, and it's basically it is... the Versus 13 trailer in a game. Yeah. But it's Kingdom Hearts now. It's uncanny, actually. It, 
I don't, to, to be fair, to what extent any of this is, I have no idea. I, it's just, like, through the grapevine shit I've heard. Like, following people who are into both Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts, it just sounds like Nomura was one of those, like, guys who's like, like, this is my thing, and it's, like, the one thing I'm unwilling to, like, back down on. And so, a lot, it just probably was one of those moments where, like, the team clashed. And mm-hmm. it's probably why it took so fucking long for them to finally just axe everything in make 15 and that's probably why 15 ended up the way it was too it was it was like a half-baked half thought of thing i think the story was fine for 15 i think what they failed to do was deliver us the story in a meaningful way yeah because um, you look at the original 15 release mm-hmm. and you're getting like half the story the plot in 15 is really good it's just i want to be told the plot in the game right right um and you know i'm okay with some things being left out or glossed over or be told by an unreliable narrator like arden if arden said why he's doing what he's doing at a reasonable time frame other than just being mysterious big bad guy until act three of act three Um, then it would have gone a long way to like telling us why Noctis opposes him outside of, or why he opposes Noctis specifically. Um, And it humanizes Arden because, you know, despite him being, you know, this immortal powerhouse, he is very, like his core driving motivation is a very human one. Uh Lost his, he lost his uh, girl and uh, he, is forever separated from her while he is immortal. Yep. Yeah, and his DLC was so good. And, and he's only immortal because he decided to save the people that then uh, persecuted him afterwards. Mm-hmm. But well, he right. literally lost everything by being the hero. Yeah, and it, it's understandable why he would be mad, why he would oppose Noctis. And it's not even that he's necessarily opposed to Noctis on a exactly. fundamental level. He yeah. j- he. It's more like he needs Noctis to get more powerful to do the thing that he needs Noctis to do. And the the real stroke of genius in Arden's plot, right, is that both outcomes are okay. Either he achieves his final rest or he spits all over Bahamut's Cheerios and ruins his beautiful world, right? Yeah. Or or even if he just ruins the royal family, he gets his revenge. Yeah. Right? So, but, But in the end, he manages to do all of it. He succeeds fully. He gets everything he fucking wants. I fucking love that about 15. Mm-hmm. Even in the retcon ending at the end of the DLC for Ignis, if you like change the his, change the future, oh, he yeah, still yeah. wins. Yeah. The, the, the man was set up to win no matter yeah. what. Well, the thing I appreciate about Arden is, you know, because of that, like he's, his goals were not diametrically opposed to Noctis's goals, especially when he finally explain to Noctis what was going on. It takes them till the very end, though. They, like, this is a conversation they could have had at any point in time. And don't get me wrong. I need the plot to plot. I don't mm-hmm. need Arden to explain himself. In fact, it makes it a little bit better that he is an enigma for so long. It's mm-hmm. 15 just spends a lot of time plotting in the early game. Yeah. Yeah. So with 16, right, like, I think I have identified a, a, a big bad 
but it may change because one of the criticisms I've heard without spoilers, thankfully, is that it takes quite a twist at the end uh, that makes everything else feel unrelated, like Kingdom Hearts style or Final Fantasy VIII or Final Fantasy X or Final Fantasy XII or Final <laughs> Fantasy XIII or Final Fantasy XV, <laughs> technically. Right? Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Um, what about Ten? Ten had a big plot twist. <laughs> I liked... I, I, I loved Ten's plot twist. It was... I didn't I mean, have any issues it had, with it. It had two really good ones. Well, I like, mean, the first one was pretty obvious, but like it was a bit of a twist because it's like, you know, the world's kind of world seems a little, a little too prissy, a little too like kept together, and then you realize like, oh wait a minute, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> yeah. And then and then the ending is like, by the way, it's even more not all together. <laughs> like, oh, mm-hmm. I love ten. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, well. Ten was the first time that they'd gone back to since um, they introduced the ATB to uh, a turn proper turn base. Right? Yeah, yeah, and they never went back after. No, I think it, so. I think the gameplay kind of thing, and uh, this is something I heard somebody else talking about: is Final Fantasy has always been kind of moving towards a real time gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, ever since they introduced, and I think that was in Final Fantasy VI, three in the West, um, the ATB gauge. Yeah, hundred um, percent. ATB is active time, right? It's not turns. Um, so I have a lot of things I could ramble about. So I, I would like to, for a moment, bring up Skill Up, uh, just because I think that responding to him might uh, help keep me on track for time. <laughs> so. Sure. Skillup is actually one of my favorite YouTubers. I actually like the man a lot, right? He makes some good videos. Uh, he made a review of Final Fantasy 16 and he didn't like it, but I didn't like his arguments. So I wanted to, he, he made his video in very good faith. In the beginning of his video, he insisted that please do not come after him. Didn't stop people from going after him. Uh, that was on deaf ears. He, he should have known better. He should have known better. People uh, are dumb and... <laughs> <laughs> He should have known better, uh, and that's okay, right? Uh, so, in good faith, I want to respond to his points because he made uh, he had a video after that review. It was one of his weekly videos, right? Where uh, he did mention the the very high praise that sixteen was getting because it is newsworthy, and he mentioned that he made a video and some of the reception, and he summarized his own video with three points. I'm going to respond to those three points because that's how he summarized his own video, and I think that's fair, right? Fair. And so he summarized his own video in a follow-up video uh, that, one, I'm, I'm, I'm listing first, and I'm going to respond one by ones. Okay, so one, the map isn't worth exploring. The RPG elements are non-existent, and there are too many cutscenes. So I'm going to respond one by one. Map not worth exploring. Well, he probably missed a lot of really good accessories. <laughs> and um, that sucks for him, right? Because the map, so the way the world map works, right? in 16 is it does start with a menu that's you know it is what it is but you got to understand the map is like these giant areas that are connected think like um smaller than the one and only one open area of 13 right but only by a little bit and they're connected close together with like towns and canyons and you know the the not so discreet loading screen hallways right so but it doesn't look weird right like it doesn't look too video gamey if you ask me right so there's these giant areas where you can walk from the end of one to the other 
that is, and each one is for a nation in the world, right? I'll name them. One of them's Kingdom of Rosaria. That's where the game starts. One of them is the Empire of San Brek. Another one is the uh, the Republic of Delmechia, right? The Republic area is a desert, dry place. It's not all sand. It's mostly sand. Um, Rosaria is green and swampy. The Empire is like full of meadows and forests. And it's like, okay. I will agree that it kind of sucks that you can't walk from the top right corner of Sam Breck to the bottom left corner of Delmechia because they're connected on the map, right? Now you can go from the top right to the bottom left of a single zone and then you go to the world map and you go into the next zone within a menu. That's a little lame. In Final Fantasy XII, I'm able to walk all the way from fucking Guru Vagan to uh, the Sarabi Step. And I mean, it takes several hours, but it's fun, right? Yeah. Um, can't do that in 16. But that would be easily patched in. Maybe they will. I, I can't praise them for that because they didn't do it. Right? Fair. However, Skill Up says that the map's not worth exploring. But, like, there are rare items and weapons. I'll get to more on why um, he is uh, devaluing the stuff that's there to find uh, in my next point. His next point is that the non-existent RPG elements. Um, and he, that was his word. Non-existent. Right? Now, the problem is here is that then you have to argue like what makes an RPG an RPG? It, it, is it because the the gameplay is like Devil May Cry because you walk up and hit stuff? So does that mean walk up and hit stuff means not an RPG? Because then Kingdom Hearts is an RPG. Yeah, I, I was gonna say like I think there's a way of breaking this down. And uh, where do you I draw the I'll, line? <laughs> I, I'll, I'll say if you like if we're okay, if you look at something like. Devil May Cry versus uh, Kingdom Hearts. Sorry, good. I think this is a really good example. I would say that uh, Devil May Cry is not an RPG, mm-hmm. but Kingdom Hearts is. I would agree, but why is that? And, and I would say the reason why is that Devil May Cry is a is about exploring options given to you, and Kingdom Hearts is about exploring options that you get to pick from. It's an interesting point, and I think that that's how I look at it. One is action-adventure, one of them is a role-playing game. That is fair. In Final Fantasy 16, you have a admittedly kind of limited uh, number of abilities that you can purchase with the ability points you gain in battle, right? You start with, like, a set of base moves, like, uh, do you want to unlock lunging? It looks like Stinger. It is Stinger. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> for every summon that you acquire uh, in your arsenal, uh, you don't really get to summon them. You just get their powers. You can only summon one. Uh, which is Ifrit, um, as the trailer describes. No, it's not a spoiler. Um, but you can't do it right away. So there's Ifrit, um, but there's also like Phoenix and Garuda and Ramu, right? Like, uh, And they all have their own abilities uh, that when you hold down R2, you can use them and they have a cooldown. They're like your magic spells, right? And for every... Uh, there are like little circles on a map. It almost looks like the sphere grid, but there's no like linking. There's no... Like you can pick anyone on the board at any time. There's no like adjacency required so you pick these abilities and first level you just unlock them you can use them at all then there's an upgrade tier and a mastery tier and now for the base abilities like using magic and hitting stuff good right those upgrades are significant right like upgrading your fireball attack means you can fucking charge it right that's a big deal right yeah. and then a further upgrade is uh it launches people in the air right <laughs> like um, so these upgrades are not, not just, you know, number go up. It's thing do more, 
Right. Yeah, you're fundamentally, I mean, even if it's only minor fundamentals, you are still fundamentally changing the makeup of that ability. And that's why mm -hmm. I want to argue that skill up is wrong to say that the map's not worth exploring because there are really good accessories out there that totally change the gameplay. For example, there's one accessory that I picked up that charges your spell for you so you don't have to hold triangle while doing all the other inputs. And so I can just like cast like Fyra or Thundaga or whatever, like easily, right? It's because it's like it's being charged passively for me. Right. Um, and then there's another one that goes really well with that accessory uh, called Berserker, uh, where if you do a perfect dodge, you um, you kind of slide in a direction of your choosing, which repositions you completely different than the default and your swords on fire, which is when you hold square. Right. And then all the different moves you can do with a charged up sword um, are available to you just for dodging. Right. That completely changes how you would approach doing all the fights. Right. And that, that just... actually sounds like it would open up combos that would yes. previously be a little bit well, hard to pull off. Yes. So, okay. <laughs> so then how is this an RPG and Devil May Cry not? Because you've just described Devil May Cry to me. Well, because it's up to you to choose to get those things. I, mm. I would say in Devil May Cry, I mean, sure, there are upgrades as you go. And then to be fair, when I, when I think Devil May Cry, I think Devil May Cry 3, which I guess does have a little bit. But for the most part, everything's linear right it's like mm -hmm. you're given the stuff that you get throughout the level in in the earlier games in five it's not that way you you do actually go to a menu to get your upgrades but well, it's a game that's made post 2015 you have a menu exactly so i would say five starts to lean more into the rpg elements in all fairness mm -hmm. but earlier titles Definitely didn't. Here's another big difference that I'd like to, to argue helps with the RPG versus not argument is the way that the maps are. So I described the open maps to you before, but I wasn't being giving you the complete picture. There's two types of maps. The ones I described, that's kind of like the normal most of the game. But there's these scenario maps that the plot takes you to. You go to do some story relevant thing, usually involves destroying a bunch of shit and leaving the place inaccessible for return but you can replay them in like this weird menu system, right? Those levels yeah. are like Devil May Cry because you go battle arena to battle arena. There's no backtrack. I know backtracking is a thing in Devil May Cry, but nobody likes backtracking in Devil May Cry and they took it out in five. So I'm not going to mention that, right? But for example, um, early in the game, um, you go infiltrate some castle, right? Uh, where the person who can summon Garuda is, right? For story reasons um you are out for blood you want to kill this person right um coming. right uh there's a lot of that <laughs> they all have it coming uh <laughs> so in this scenario level this is a zone that you cannot normally visit like you can walk up to it and see it and be like ah that's that place i went to right but like the doorway is like a big blue line that takes you to the main menu because you can't actually go there uh, but you can replay that level as many times as you want. And um, that place gets like wrecked. Like the fight with Garuda has Garuda like ripping like tower, keep towers off and hurling them at you like spears. Right. So um, obviously uh, the damage is permanent. It's not just for effect. It's not like Metal Gear Rising, right, where uh, Senator Armstrong can just keep pulling pieces of Metal Gear off at you and the arena doesn't actually change shape. Right. Um, it's not like that. If uh, a giant monster picks up a piece of the background and throws it at you, that piece of the background is now gone, and the arena that you're fighting in may even change. 
right? Like they pay really close attention to continuity when it comes to those kind of fights. Uh, and so it kind of makes sense that those would be the levels that you can't revisit, right? But those are very much like Devil May Cry, and I get the comparison, right? But the vast okay. majority of the game is not spent in those areas. You spend all your time in these big open zones that have things to explore and do and side quests to be had, and then usually your journey takes you to some place where something climactic or story-relevant, at least, will be happening, and you do those kind of levels, to experience that journey. It's very similar to the dungeons in Final Fantasy 15. It's like, yeah, sure, you can return to them and see them again. You probably shouldn't, right? Like, uh, how many times did you go to Costal Mark Tower in Final Fantasy 15? Did you even go to Costal Mark Tower? What was that? It was the giant tower in the center of the map. It was totally optional, and they never bring it up once. Oh, fuck. I don't know if I ever did. I didn't do the, the very, very end dungeon. I didn't do that one. The one they had to fly to. Oh yeah, you missed out. That but, was the best but one. I, but I think I did everything else. <laughs> okay, okay. But I might, I might have. But I also, I may just not have even known it existed. But like the purpose of those dungeons but, is there's usually like a tomb or something in the end for your swords, yeah. right? And that's the only like motivation for going there. I mean, there's some cool lore that some ancient civilization called Solheim left it behind, right? But like it, that that never gets brought up until Episode Arden, and even then, it's a footnote, right? Which is lame. Uh, whereas there are ancient ruins all over Final Fantasy 16, and the fact that there was a race of people that came before comes up a lot, right? It's actually this huge mystery that the medieval societies of Final Fantasy 16 do not have the luxury to investigate. Uh, but it comes up a lot because these ruins are everywhere, and they look like they're made of stone, but they're made of some weird material that none of their current like level of technology can work with, so they can't destroy them or move them out of the way. But it looks like the entire world was a great battlefield for like some other civilization, and I have not unraveled that mystery yet because I'm not far enough. Uh, but I'm sure there'll it's be gonna an be explanation. It's gonna be Magitek. Fucking could be. Kind of looks like. It. <laughs> I, I mean, it's one of those moments where like I make that joke, and you know, I'm sure somebody groans when they hear that. But <laughs> I mean, at this point, at, we're, we live in a post Final Fantasy VI world, all right? Uh huh. But back to the argument about not enough RPG elements. It's like, where do you draw the line, right? So. Much like Kingdom Hearts, like you unlock your abilities at your discretion, right? I mean, you eventually will have enough points to just get everything, which is, I guess, similar to a Devil May Cry game. But like, I do that in Final Fantasy games anyway, like just getting access to everything and like, like be it finished the sphere grid or, um, you know, get a full set of mastered materia or, you know, you know perfect junctions. Like, I'm going to break it anyway. Yeah, I think the argument was that you have a lot less freedom uh with like you're still narrow like you're you're a sword mage no matter how you or a sword mage summoner no matter how you cut it right mm -hmm. like and in fairness you know cloud never changes from uh sword mage you know, squall never changes from uh gunblade etc but you know having the party cuz you any everybody that's a party member in you know uh 16 is uh, a soft party member. You right. don't even like, control what they do. You can't control what they do, and you can't control what they're equipped with. However, um, they are relatively competent. Like, if you take on a, a brute-type enemy that has a lot of health, they will typically mop up all of the adds, which is kind of nice. Um, and these characters, like, are pretty deep. Like, they're really involved in the story, so I really like when they're there, right? Uh, but right. it is kind of a letdown that I can't, like upgrade their equipment right like it's not up to me they they upgrade their own equipment i guess right like because they don't reveal what they have they're not even in the menu 
I mean, you could see right. that they're in your party, like they're in that menu, but it's just like a little thing in the bottom right corner. Like, here's who's with you right now, and they'll kill the ads for you, I guess, right? So that's a little disappointing. Yeah, I think the lack of party management is the primary complaint. It's just mm -hmm. that people aren't saying that's what it is. Though, right. when they're that's talking... the only argument I'll honor, because like, I agree that that kind of sucks. Yeah, they... I, I, what I, my understanding when it comes to this, because what ends up happening, and we'll get back to your, you know, conversation about the skillet video in a moment, is uh, when we have a game that's in a beloved franchise that takes a departure from the the norm, which, in fairness, every Final Fantasy takes a departure from the previously established norm. That, I was going to say starting with ten, yeah, yeah. Um, starting with seven, man, like holy yeah. shit. Well, okay, <laughs> but, I guess that's fair. But. Well, I mean, regardless. So, but they they change, and people people want a deep pool. They don't want, you know, a wide pool. Uh -huh. um, yeah, so they I want to that. be able to yeah. determine their party or you know the composition, what each party member does. Because you know, traditionally, you have several different roles most party members can play. Very rarely is it okay. This guy, you know, this guy can only punch people. He can't do any magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh -oh. Whereas uh, in 15, uh, yeah, you can buy upgrades for like the skills your party members are using. However, all you really do with them is give them, you know, bigger weapon number go up. Yeah. Right? And, I, and, and that's not great. Pretty unhappy with that in 15 as well. Yeah. They uh, were. <laughs> so I think I think that's the biggest drawback is that. There are RPG mechanics, but they are far more shallow. They're much more in line with AAA uh, gun games, you know, first-person shooters, mm -hmm. than they are with uh, Final Fantasy. Yeah, the problem I have with his first two arguments about the map not being worth exploring and not enough RPG elements also is, like, I feel like he didn't understand how to play the game very well and interpreted that as a lack of options when he really just didn't understand what his options were because he obviously didn't equip any accessories that expanded his arsenal because like yeah sure the game gives you like you know journalist mode where everything's super easy right um you can wear those accessories if you want but like those aren't the only accessories that change gameplay mechanics like you can get accessories out of chests that do like the fireball charge thing or the berserker dash like i told you about and it's like that's not easy mode you earned that you found that item you can use it I and suspect he probably um, never found those i suspect he did the crit path thing because he is a journalist at the end of the day he has to pump out a review as fast as he can yeah he probably didn't do the side quest either probably in the interest of time and getting his review out because he definitely got far enough to make that same observation that some other people made about the weird ending so that makes me think that he probably skipped all the side quests. And, you know, in his defense, the first few side quests, oh, really, it's not just the first few, it's all of them. They're very MMO-like, where it's like, okay, connect person with object, or connect object with person. Go to destination and do short little tasks, right? The side quests, the things that you do in them, not very interesting. However, there's dialogue before you accept the quest, during the quest, and after the quest that adds a lot to the world building like uh victim if you've checked your tiktok dms lately I i've sent you a few videos of some streamers reacting to some of these quests in a early part of the game that i wouldn't consider a spoiler and it's gnarly like like yeah. i can't imagine missing out on those story beats because it really fleshes out how shitty the world is right i and i think that's the ultimate thing is i'm guessing 
that he had to burn through the game quickly in that most reviewers do. So, you know, they'll do a handful of well, side quests to get the feel of them, but then they'll crit path it. I, I have one more piece of evidence I'd like to bring before the court. Please. Skillup doesn't like action games. I have two pieces of evidence for this. One, in his 2018 God of War review, he described God of War 2018's gameplay as, you can't button mash like you do in Bayonetta and DMC. And then he went on to describe God of War 2018 as tightly controlled, as if in contrast to DMC. That's some fucking bullshit. Right? I also think the initial statement is just wholly false. <laughs> like, that is deeply ignorant. Now, and also, I have a screenshot of a now-deleted comment from his 2018 Red Dead Redemption 2 review, where someone had commented, wow, I really hope you don't review DMC5. He replied to that person saying, why would I? It's button-mashy garbage for weebs. He just doesn't <laughs> like this kind of game. Yeah, well, and that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah. that's probably a lot of what it is, yes. So he probably did not entertain any of the game systems and wrote them off as shallow when they are in fact actually kind of nice. Like uh, the upgrades that you do to your abilities, like the, the upgrade board for your abilities looks small compared to something like the Sphere Grid or the Crystarium from 13, right? Uh, because those aren't designed to be finished, right? By most people. Uh, whereas the board of abilities in 16 looks achievable because you need to level each one of them up like three or four times to actually max them out. And every time you level them up, the move transforms into something bigger and nastier, right? And he probably didn't do any of that. He probably just put all the easy mode rings on because he hated the gameplay because he doesn't like DMC. He thought it was button mashy garbage. And he probably thought the same of this, but he didn't say that in his review. And notice he has not reviewed DMC. Uh, he has not reviewed Bayonetta. I searched his channel. I mean, he may have reviewed Bayonetta. I only look for DMC. He has not reviewed DMC on his channel. He knows he doesn't like it, and he knows he would get, you know, the backlash for it. And uh, that's why I feel like he should have known better. He strategically avoided reviewing DMC, knowing that people wouldn't like what he had to say. Uh, but then he reviews this game, and he got bit for it. I think 16 is one of those games that he, he kind of is, like, damned if he does, damned if he doesn't in that regard. Mm -hmm. It's too big to ignore, but also he probably went in fully expecting to hate the game, which for the record is probably a bad way to be mm -hmm. like you probably should always go in with an open mind. But I mean, I don't know him personally, so I'm only guessing when I say that. So. Yeah, this game is not going to defeat your preconceived notions about action games if you don't like those kind of games. Um, and if you're the kind of person who praises God of War, but thinks Devil May Cry is button mashy garbage, this game won't change you. It, it won't. And I'm not going to expect it. Too. I feel like we won't be able to break like down why he thinks that, but I, I can't I, I can't fathom how he thinks that. Like, to be, to be fair, God of War, I don't necessarily think is uh, like a fucking abysmal, horrible, trashy game or anything, but it's definitely not nearly as deep as Devil May Cry. Devil May Cry was well built that way on purpose. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why people still to this day play like play fucking Devil May Cry Five as their main fucking game. Because there's, they can always improve and get better. Yeah, there, there's like a, a skill ceiling that is mm -hmm. like way up there, and most people that play the games don't even manage to reach it because you, right. I mean, fuck the, the difficulties are they, they don't even release all the difficulties right away. They they come later down the road. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think Final Fantasy 16 is the same way. Uh, though I will say it is way fucking easier than Devil May Cry because. You know, Devil May Cry feels almost arcadish in comparison to 16, because in Devil May Cry, every level is a gauntlet of battle arenas where you're constantly getting better and you're getting challenged by stronger and stronger hordes of enemies and crazy bosses. Whereas in 16, there's side quests, 
There's running away from battles if you can't win, right? There's hunts, right? Like, you still you run around and do stuff in whatever yeah. order you want. Like, it's not like that. It's much it's, more it's, like an RPG in that has a lot more freedom of choice, right? Like, uh -huh. you're not being forced to learn based on encounters. You're being forced to basically pick and choose from a list of things and then like you have like what well, you have your traditional gauntlet which is probably the main story but mm -hmm. like everything else outside so it's kind of it's more like the witcher 3 you eventually have to enter those gauntlets however you can dick around in the big areas until you're ready exactly or Del my cry that is not a fucking option <laughs> it, 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 in a weird way it's it, at least in terms of like the way that you can tackle different challenges it, it sounds more like the witcher 3 and I mentioned this before, but his third point that he himself summarized his video was that there are too many cutscenes. And I mentioned earlier in this very podcast, that's fucking dumb. I would pay money for more cutscenes in 15. And 16 also has a great story. I think we're outliers in this, though, because I, I, while I never did play Metal Gear Solid 4, I sure as fuck liked watching Metal Gear Solid 4. And, <laughs> and, and I mean, even the earlier Metal Gears had a stupid amounts of cutscenes. I loved it though. I was all I think, about it. I think Metal Gear has more cutscenes than 16. It's just oh, 16 probably. has cutscenes with more people in them with competing interests and their own goals and they're more I, fleshed out. I understand the idea of wanting to play your video game because that's that, that is the primary function of the game is to play it, not to watch it. But at the same time, I hate when games are only only gameplay. Like maybe that's a maybe I'm weird for that, but like um Speaking of gauntlets, one of the gauntlet games from back in the day, uh, when the in like PS2 era, I remember thinking every time I be a level, I'm like, all right, I want to go to to a town to buy my upgrades. It's like, no, it's a little menu that pops up before the next level, and then I just fucking go, and it's just like you just rapid fire through the game in like five hours, and I was like, fuck, where was my like rest period? I didn't get to sit back in my chair and take a sip of my drink. I didn't get fucking any of that. It's just like I I actually I remember thinking back on that game, and I remember it like. Like per perfectly in my mind, I'm like, I wanted some downtime, man. Come mm -hmm. on. <laughs> well, you know why? Well, I can explain why that happened in Gauntlet games. They're arcade games first. Mm -hmm. well, just, they were. Yeah, they were, no, they're, and that's they're fair. literally just moved from an arcade onto a console. All they've the, done is change out the uh, fact that you don't feed it quarters. I yeah, like this food. Is, well, th this specific one was uh, it was like one of those weird spinoff ones where they were trying to like make a like a narrative game. It, it wasn't quite like the gauntlets of old, which, for the record, are beloved games. Uh, I fucking I miss them. I miss the old arcade versions. Actually, um, I played the the PC one that came out like years ago. Now that that one was really good, actually. But um, but it, uh, fuck. And now I'm thinking about it. I don't even know if it was a gauntlet game. But I, if I just, they're trying I, to invoke but either a way, gauntlet game, they're going it, to make it as much like a gauntlet game as they can. That's fair. And, and but like, and to be to be fair, it's, it's an old PS2 game. I'm not gonna like give it a rating or, or tear it down or anything. But I just remember thinking about it, and I was like, I I really wished I had had more time, especially because this, the game was trying to tell me a story. It just was telling me it on the fly. It's like I I can't pay attention to this while I'm battling back enemies. Man, come on now. Um, Your comment about five hours reminds me of something. So, you know how in Final Fantasy VII you get out of Midgar in the first five hours, right? But yeah. the remake, it, the whole thing is in Midgar, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I forgot to compare it to remake. So, there's been a lot of people online. No, uh, that's probably a good comparison to make. Because it's very yeah. recent and they're having another one very soon, right? So, in remake, you haven't played it yet, right, Vic? So. I want uh, to really badly, but it's still like full fucking price. And I have. 
the free version, but that doesn't come with integrate, and I can't upgrade to it because it's for the PS4 and not the PS5. Why just, they did it like that, I don't fucking know. Man. You gotta I get PS. Know. Just get PS Plus and stream it, like or not stream it, but like get it like Game Pass. Uh, but anyway, can you do that? Yeah, integrate's that's on there. actually where I, that's where I have it. Oh, then uninstall it and get integrate. It's right there. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe I just can't. See. Okay, all right. I'll, Both I'll, versions I'll. are on there. <laughs> Uh, but the point is, and you'll find out soon if you actually play it, um, the way it approaches the modern day RPG mechanics is, um, well, yeah, in between battles, you run around as a cloud, uh, unless they let you control another party member because he's indisposed. But during battle, you can switch between your members at any time and you can issue commands to them in the pop up menu. And then you can optionally make the game pause when you um, open said menu or you can make it stay open. Like that's yeah, yeah, fine yeah. too. So and it, I'll, I'll I'll make both fan bases really angry. Uh, r- real quick, it, it's literally a Tales of game. I've I've also heard that comparison. I've also heard it, that the, the story is. <laughs> I I also heard that the most recent Tales of Arise has like a a, a similar in the fa- like. T- tell me, does does Tales of Arise have like a political intrigue type of story with multiple oh. factions? Yes. Uh, in fact, uh, a lot of people tried to say that it was woke garbage uh, for the first couple of weeks. Because it was all about, like, uh, slaves and, like, political whatever. But then uh, I, f- I feel like that went right out the window when you get to the one nation where, like, everyone's totally chill about being slaves and it's and they're not really being oppressed. They're just slaves. Hilarious. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that is going to really fly with people. Uh... <laughs> yeah, so a lot of people compare but, yes. Tales of Arise to 16 because they have a, a similar setting, I guess. With oh, the... yeah, no, it, it totally fits. Um, yeah, so... With fifth, with with seven remake, right? Um, it's a very different take on how to do a modern Final Fantasy. I guess they're like they're just trying to appease people, but I guess according to you, Vic, then they just recreated Tales of, right? Well, I mean, yeah. So I, I guess I'll break it down like the Cliff Notes version. In in a in the average Tales of game, maybe not Arise so much, but the the previous games, you you can switch your characters on the fly, or if you can't, you can at least choose which one you're playing. Um. In some of the older ones, you had to like I think pre-choose, but um, and then you run around the map uh, as a character, uh, and then later on in the series, you could pick who you ran around as, but you were always the main character. So if you talk to someone, they talk to you as if you're MC, um, right? So it's just like it, it it really is like that, and then you go into an arena to fight things, um, which I guess not all of Seven Remake is like that. But I know that there was some of it for like the boss fights. That's something I liked about uh, Xenoblade Three as well. the The party in Xenoblade Three is fucking huge, and you can run around as any of them, and it doesn't feel wrong. Like in Xenoblade Two, it felt wrong not to play as Rex, just because Rex was really fun to play. Right? Rex was like by and large the reason to play. Right, but in in no. Xenoblade Three, as much as as cool as Noah is as a protagonist, like I I basically walked around as whoever was the attacker, which um standard standard practice in xenoblade 3 is to have two attackers two tanks and two healers right but like people are switching classes all the time in your in the build menu right because you're trying to level them all up because mastering them gives you an ability on the left side of the screen that is uh always available no matter what class you're playing right so it's like you're incentivized to go master as many classes as you want um but like whoever's an attacker i'll probably be playing as because they're the most fun to play because they play like rex and then, yeah. of course, there was the DLC, and I got to literally play as Rex. As soon as I got him in the party, yeah, he never left. <laughs> he was the best. Um, uh, back to Final Fantasy for a minute, though. 
Um, there's a couple other takes I wanted to go over that are in my notes that are, you know, fun. So our, our favorite uh, gaming blog to make fun of, The Gamer, decided to give their hot take. Um, I'm sure it was great. They play, uh, whoever they had on staff writing this article played the game for four hours before writing their full review. Well, that's, um, a, that's a red flag right out the gate. Ooh. That's not even enough to get through the prologue. And do you know what they said? Uh, now, sure, I'm, they said something great. I'm paraphrasing because I would not reward them with a click. So I might have been misled by the people on Twitter paraphrasing the article for me. So if I'm wrong, the gamer can let me know and we can make fun of their response to us. Um, <laughs> if they're listening. But uh, someone paraphrased the article and mentioned that they criticized the fantasy world uh, in Final Fantasy 16 for being unrealistic because there's no downtrodden lower class. And I'm like, bitch, what? That's the whole fucking point. There is rampant slavery in Final Fantasy 16. It's uncomfortable in, in a lot of ways. Like, I know there's a lot of people who um, were complaining. I mean, I say a lot. It wasn't a lot. It was very small, very small vocal minority um, that complained that there were no black people in Final Fantasy 16. And that's not to say that there aren't like Asians or tan and brown people. No, there's just no black people specifically. <gasps> but after I started playing, I, I, I realized why, you know, and it's not whatever reason Square Enix gave that was corporate friendly or whatever, right? The real reason is that there was really awful, visible on screen acts of slavery and mistreatment of slaves and discrimination that if any of those slaves were a black NPC, this game would have been canceled, right? God, there's there's one side quest where if you choose to do it, like Skillet probably didn't, um, this like old nobleman in the Empire. The Empire is like the worst um, with, well, actually, I'm not even sure. I haven't been to all the places yet. It could get worse. Uh, but at the time, I thought the Empire was the worst for their slaves, right? So early on in Final Fantasy 16, in the prologue, it establishes that you're either born able to cast magic, you're born able to summon, or you're born normal. And if you're born able to cast magic, you are enslaved and with a brand on your face because you're weird, right? Really, it's because the, the powers that be are afraid, right? But like the powers that they have are not very like applicable to combat. Like sometimes, and if, if it is applicable to combat, like you can throw a fireball or something, they'll put you in the army, right? But like they're called bearers because they bear your burdens, right? Uh, and most of them, like, if you have wind, you're born with wind magic, you're going to be drying people's clothes. You're born with water magic, you're going to be, like, filling wells and water buckets. And, like, and when you walk around the towns, you see the slaves, like, doing their thing. Or you see people who can't afford slaves using crystals to do that, right? Because they depend on either their slaves or the crystals for this luxury. Like, heaven forbid they fucking do the work themselves. They fucking don't, right? I've run That's this D&D game before. Right. So that's a thing. And there's this one side quest where you're in the Empire and there's this nobleman who's like, help, help. Uh, and main character guy has a brand on his face like the slaves. He didn't start that way, though. That's a plot twist in the prologue in the demo. Um, but like, so he's got a brand on his face. And, and the, during the first part of the game, because obviously in the promotional art, he doesn't have a brand on his face because he gets it removed, which is explained in the game how painful that is and why that's dangerous. But point is, is that he has a brand. And then he loses it later and he doesn't start with one. That's important for how the NPCs treat him because based on what part you are in the story, the NPCs treat you very differently, <laughs> right? And so yeah. you walk into this nobleman and he's like, help, my son is being attacked by a wolf over uh, by the by the water. Can you please help him? And then you're like, okay, sure. You go over there and he's like, help, help, there's a wolf. He's like, 
doesn't feel like he's in a whole lot of distress, but the, and it's just a low level wolf. And I like two shot it because it was weak. Right. And then the kid goes, starts crying. He's like, why did you kill Wolfie? Bears aren't supposed to win. They're supposed to die. You're our entertainment. And I'm just like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, I'm going to tell my, my father about this. Marches his ass off, right, to his dad. We follow. Um, and the guy's like, what the fuck? You killed my wolf. I'll have your master, like, rip your tongue out. And it's like, what? And he's like, and, and you look over and there's like a pile of corpses behind them, right? Of, like, slaves that they've purchased to get eaten by wolves. And it's like, what the fuck is your problem? Um, Yeah, I don't think they could have done that with black people. Yeah. I'm a little sad that we're at... Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. Let me... Hold on. You can't cut me off on that, though. Come on. Yeah, but it'll be perfect for the playback. Let him cook. Hold on. Let me cook. I'm a little sad that we we were at a point in time where we'd forgotten, like, the history of slaves, though. Like... That, that's really where I was going with that. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, sure. I mean, fuck. Owning a slave is fucked up. I don't, I don't need to explain that. I think I think that's, like, you know, uh, the obvious, right? But, like, there comes a point in time where... Or there ca- it became a point in time where we kind of forgot that, like, a lot of cultures had slaves. And it was for, like, thousands... It, probably more than thousands of years... Uh, you know, different cultures, different peoples were, were enslaved. Fuck, uh, I think there was a, a large period of time where, like, prisoners of war were put to work, you know, for no pay and, and shit like that. So it's like, yeah, I, I would say I, I get it from, like, a, obviously they have to, uh, you know, avoid the the headache. But it, it does kind of make me sad that that's... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, pro- it's probably the reason. I guess they wouldn't come out and say that it's the reason, but... Yeah, so I'll leave that anecdote. There. Oh, I'll I'll leave with this point with one final anecdote, and this is totally anecdotal. Um, but I've seen way more like people of color on the internet like making humorous comments, like "Well, I'm glad they left us out of this shit." Holy crap! <laughs> than I have seen people complain about the lack of black people in the game. That's good. Well, I, I, having a sense of humor about it's pretty good. I like that because it's like holy shit, that is inhumane. Like. Which is, is a p- part of the story. Like it's, it's supposed to make you uncomfortable because these people are awful and I will have my revenge. And I'm halfway through the game now and I've had lots of revenge <laughs> be, so far. To be fair, if, <laughs> I, I think it's one of those moments So, like if, if you're fine with other forms of extreme shock value, you should be fine with that. Yeah. Or you can do what Skillip did and skip the cutscenes or and the, the quests. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I mean, like, I, I, I think it's one of those moments that it's, it's supposed to be unnerving. It's supposed to be off-putting. You're not supposed to like what you see. It's antagonizing for for that purpose, right? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think that that it kind of makes it sound interesting to me in a weird way. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, that doesn't hurt my potential enjoyment. Yeah. I guess. And then I'll just rapid fire two more things from my notes just because I want to finish off the thought. Uh, there was one video circulating Twitter and other sites of uh, a journalist playing the demo. Uh, with a controller in one hand and like a bagel or like some food in the other, and he's just mashing X and winning. And it made people go, Oh God, it's Final Fantasy 15 all over again. Oh, I just pressed one button to win. Ha ha ha. He had all the accessories on, all the easy mode accessories. Because easy you know, mode in this game is like an accessory that you equip and then like you just start doing combos pressing one button. And yeah. I, I want to point out, uh, me and actually, me and GTA talked about that because he, he mentioned that uh, he had heard about that. I, I've got to say, I don't know if I like that 
uh, option. I, I I understand the. I mean, not to get too deep into it because it could be an entirely fucking new topic if I if I dug too deep. But like, I understand the idea of like trying to create things like in an accessibility angle. But like, I feel like that's just not it. Obviously, I can just choose not to fucking equip it. But like, mm-hmm. it just I don't know. That just feels weird. The inclusion of that feels weird. It's like it is weird, but they're they're just trying something new because there's no easy mode, right? Like you're yeah. fighting the same difficulty enemies as everyone else. You just you either have training wheels or you don't. Um, which makes it so they don't have to dumb down the enemies, which is kind of nice. But at the same time, it, it is a strange take. I think it's interesting. I don't think it's for everyone. But like, there are these you know dishonest bloggers who are like, "Wow, look how easy this game is!" Not disclosing that they're basically using all the accessibility options to make the game easy. Yeah, and it's like that's kind of fraudulent. Up with them, honestly, like it. Yeah, straight up fraudulent. And then there's this other funny exchange that I saw on Twitter. So the Washington Post gave the game a pretty good review, right? Not sure what the Washington Post has to do with video games, but they fucking reviewed it. And um, some words of praise were like at the top of some image that Square Enix posted where it's like, look at all these nines and tens and fives out of fives. Right. Um, Just a slew of scores from all these different blogs. Right. And then the quote from the Washington Post was the, the thing at the top. Right. And then so there's there was an exchange on Twitter where uh, one of the, one journalist was like criticizing some of the things that uh, like I think it was the, the decision to do the DMC style combat. Right. Um, and there were a bunch of like reply guys that like jumped on him for like, you don't know what you're talking about. Did you even play this fucking game? Like you just don't like it because it's it's not traditional Final Fantasy. It was that argument. Right. It's not like mm-hmm. old Final Fantasies, and this is this this same dude admitted that you know he was that asshole that said seven wasn't a real Final Fantasy because it was so different from six, right? And it's like, so yeah, he was that asshole, and his criticism was like light but fair, right? But someone like posted that image with all the scores, but like he's the one that wrote the Washington Post article that was quoted at the top with praise. Like he huh. clearly liked the game. He was just giving a lighthearted criticism after the fact and people like jumped on him like he didn't fucking play it and it's like what like final fantasy fans get your house in order well that's definitely (laughs) something we see though when it comes Mm -hmm. to um games i mean just games with large fan bases in general is like shillup's criticism is like the only one we can hear for the most part people are leveraging pretty fair criticisms for why they didn't like it whether or not they may that makes it, their criticism valid because like we said the first problem with the rpg argument is what is an rpg because basically mm-hmm. every game made since 2010 has rpg elements yeah and i don't i don't recall if skill up actually had the audacity to compare it to other rpgs but kotaku did they made that same argument and they compared it to like the witcher 3 as if the witcher 3 had like deep rpg customization mechanics for your build it doesn't it fucking doesn't but no he compares it to previous um final fantasies as except 15 (laughs) obviously and i think he liked 15 i don't recall his 15 video but i remember he made a very lengthy video he made a very lengthy video in defense of a bad game that was the title of it he had a lot of fair criticisms for 15, but he he wanted to highlight a lot of the positives about it, which I, I can respect that because I do the same, right? Um, but he didn't bring up 15 a whole lot in his review. He mostly compared it to the older games, and it's like, I don't think that's really fair. Like, that feels like nostalgia to me. Because, like, 
the things that he's complaining about were also true of 15 and 13 and its sequels and a little bit of 12 maybe 10 like yeah i i think but he makes it sound like it's a new deviation I think that that's one of those things too that like I get a, I get that a lot of people would like to see a new turn based um, uh, Final Fantasy game, but at the same time, Square Enix has basically stated that that's just not what they want to make, or at least not with the Final Fantasy team, right? It's like that's just not what they want to make anymore. I think that people should just be willing to let go. It's like if you if that's not what you want, if you really are not into that at all, just play one of their other turn based. Yeah. It's not like you're. It's not like they took a continuity where like the narrative is, is split amongst the games and you need to play the next one to know what happened uh, from the previous game. They're not doing that to anybody. So yeah. it's a, it's a pretty, pretty easy series to drop. And I think that that is entirely respectful if it's not something you want. I mean, I mean, there's how many people, I mean, fuck, I, I alluded to it earlier. I've seen so many weird takes online of people buying this game and then turning around and being like, this isn't the game I wanted. And it's like, but they showed you what the game was. You knew what you were buying. Now, mm-hmm. if, it, if you ended up not liking the story, that's one thing. You, obviously, they can't spoil the story. But that's not what these people are saying. In fact, I don't think I've seen one criticism of the story yet at all. Um, mm-hmm. It's just well, people I've, I've being seen, like, oh, I've seen at least one. this isn't Final Fantasy VII, or oh, hee this isn't turn-based, or blah, 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 blah. It's like, you already knew that, though. Right. It's been years since you've known that. Well, I mean, 13 was turn-based. Um, no, <laughs> After Time Battle, actually. Oh, it was like half and half, yeah. So 13 itself was turn-based. After that, then they did active time battle. Oh, fair, fair, fair. So 13.2 and 13.3 were active time battles because it was such a slog in there uh, to play 13. 13 easily is the worst turn-based battle system I've ever played. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like, sw- like having to constantly switch up uh, party compositions and do a little five-second cutscene every time you switch, it just made the game drag so hard um right anyways so about 15 though like do you guys remember like um some of the early promotional footage where it showed like leviathan's attack on altisha and how like buildings would start collapsing and he'd be running on walls because gravity and it was crazy and then the fight itself was even crazier and how the the game that we got did not have any of that and the battle was actually kind of anticlimactic i I don't even remember the fight to be fair it, for the for the first like half of the fight, it was pretty good. The issue mm-hmm. is that it dragged on so fucking long because they didn't it didn't really make it very clear as to what you're supposed to be doing that you could end up at a point where it's literally just you, the water, and Leviathan. Yeah, but like and that that was the real issue. I would invite you to go watch like early Final Fantasy 15 trailers that show the Leviathan fight. It actually shows a much different, I would say, more interesting fight. And what I want to say is that in Final Fantasy 16, every single boss fight from big giant fights with summons and like the first time you meet an enemy commander man that's faceless um all of these fights have that kind of flair from the trailer where noctis fights leviathan they're all at that scale or higher and that's wild like every single one that i've done has improved upon the last and like i suppose i could talk about titan you know how i i it's in the trailer you fight titan right so let me set the scene I'll describe it to you. So in the fight with Titan, you know, it starts off, you're fighting Titan, uh, you turn into Ifrit, 
it's pretty standard. Like you, you, that's the only thing Clive can do, right? Titan is fucking huge, and Ifrit is fucking huge too, but he's not as big as Titan. And every time you turn into Ifrit, you feel fucking huge. But I felt like normal size fighting a giant monster, right? And so you're in this cave underground, you're fighting Titan, it's going well. He throws a lot of really grand attacks, and there's just this epic beatdown. Uh, but then, like, some plot-related stuff happens. He does a thing he probably shouldn't have done that I won't describe. And he turns into a new creature called Titan Lost, right? And the mountain you were underneath and fighting inside of has become his body. And he is now the size of... It, he's like the size of like, like he's like five times the size of the SDF one. Like I feel like if I saw the Earth from space, I could see him, right? Okay. Standing there, he's fucking huge, right? Um, and we're like, we got knocked through the mountain, right? Probably knocked like half the continent away, and we're like rushing at full speed at him, passing by towns and mountain ranges and stuff, right? And like he has tentacles now, for some reason, and he's like throwing them at us, trying to like stab us. Um, eventually we grab one and we like jump on top of the tentacle and we're just running at full speed. It feels fast. Like it feels so good. And like, we eventually catch up to him. We're like crawling on his fingers. It's like, it's like we went from God of War three to Azura's wrath, right? The scale has changed, right? <laughs> um, and it has now become crazy. And you, you climb onto like his hand and you start fighting his other hand and shooting fireballs at his face. And eventually when the, the it's time for the killing blow. After a bunch of crazy shit has already happened, um, he throws one of his tentacles, like, uh, he breaks off one of his tentacles and impales us and shoots us upward with the tentacle impaling us. And we almost break through the atmosphere into space, right? We get our wits about us, pull it out, break it, turn it around, and we, like, thrust it down at him and we split him clean in half. He splits in half. We're falling between the two halves. The original Titan comes about full health, right? Now separated from this bigger body that he built for himself because it was of the mountain, right? And mm. for like 30 minutes, we're trading blows while free falling through the air. And at the end of the fight, I land on the ground at sea level after falling for fucking 30 minutes. And the mountain we were falling through was actually just the corpse of the thing I killed a minute ago, right? And like this really cool battle theme is playing. It was some of the hypest shit I'd ever seen in a video game. I was a changed man after that fight. Like, <laughs> they get better every time. The battle right before that one was one of the best fights I had ever seen. And the battle before that one was one of the best fights I had ever seen. And it's like, it, it hasn't stopped. That's why when we're done recording, I'm going to go play some more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I see. I, I like that. I think that uh, there was something I had my eyes open to with uh, the Uncharted series, which I not to compare the two, but like, you know, the, the level of cinematic angle of things. It's like, I totally get, again, I totally get the idea that someone wants to play their video game. But sometimes, man, you, you do really want something that either breaks it up, uh, you know, gives you a break. Uh, fuck, especially when I'm streaming. It's a godsend when there's a long fucking cutscene and I can just hit like autoplay and Genshin or something. It's like, fuck, I love that, man. <laughs> I get to take a break. I'm play. I play games for hours at a time. I I, I sometimes love that break, man. Mm -hmm. I, I get. Oh, I should point out, victim, that the part where you're running, like I swear, the length of the fucking continent to catch him on the ground level at the beginning, and then uh, the free fall through the corpse and fighting that that's in player control. 
also. That's an, I mean, oh, and that, that was the next bit I was going to get to. Is like, but then you get the games like Uncharted, um, or even like the newer Tomb Raiders, where um, you are putting inputs in, even if it's like quick time events, whatever, right? Like, and and you're and you're doing all these things. It's like I, I think that's a pretty good middle ground. I feel like a lot of people hate quick time events for like, I, I think I think there's reasons to hate them, but I mm-hmm. think if they're done correctly, I they're I think they're perfectly acceptable. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, actually, a weird example of this is uh, Castlevania: Lords of Shadow, which is a is a controversial take to even say that game's good. But um, I think it nailed quick time events because there's there's fail conditions. It doesn't just instant kill you for failing unless it's like something really important, and uh, they're impactful. And it also made it so that the cutscenes could play out really epically. And it make you feel like a total fucking badass when gameplay could never facilitate what what it does in the cutscenes. It's like that's what they should be used for every time. Mm-hmm. I think the quick time events in sixteen have been pretty tasteful, but I will admit I've not failed one yet. So like I don't know if they're insta kills or punishers or I'm not sure. Mm. But like mm. they they feel okay. Like it's always like to hype something up, right? Uh. I would compare it more to like the ending of Metal Gear Solid Three when you get to shoot the boss yourself in the final sh- the final shot, right? Yeah. Like that's in players' hands. It's like it's more like that. Like yeah, sure, there's a timer and you can fail it. However, um, whenever they're giving you a quick time event in a cutscene, it's to make you feel like a badass, not to like surprise or punish you. Um, but uh, I I want to leave just one final note, and we can move on to another topic. Give my voice rest. So, for those listening. The Final Fantasy fans, the, the Final Fantasy 16 enjoyers. Um, my my only feedback to you is this game does not need you to defend it. It's great. Like, just enjoy it. You don't have to argue with people on the internet who don't think it's a real Final Fantasy. I mean, they're wrong, but like, I, the, I the game does not need you to defend it. It stands on its own. I think that's the takeaway, right? It's like, you know, regardless of if you think Final Fantasy has failed... Uh, as a series at this point, or regardless of if you think that they made the wrong choice of making an action combat, or you know maybe you're like fuck yeah, I hate I hate turn based. I have several viewers and, and, a, and a friend that I know that are the excited that they're now action games because they they hate a turn based. I'm kind of in between. It's like I don't like turn based fighting too much, but I also feel a little bit bad for like n- nostalgia purposes. But at the same time, I fucking love action combat, so it's like kind of like hard for me to like one way or another but like i think that the takeaway from all that is that it is still a good game and if you can stomach it or if you're even you know excited for that kind of gameplay that don't let detractors i guess realistically you should always if you can if you got the money to spare make your own opinion mm-hmm. so I'll, I'll leave it with that um and we've already spending the entire time talking about Final Fantasy, we've already reached like the perfect like duration of an yeah, hour yeah. <laughs> and some minutes, but we can't just talk about Final Fantasy the whole time. Why don't you, do you guys want to talk about some anime? I mean, the problem is, is if Will we it be talk relevant about... in two weeks? Well, no. Well, yes, actually, it'll be relevant for a long time. Probably, probably. relevant for a little over a year. Yeah, so... Tell me more. season two. Well, the problem is, Dylan, and I know you don't necessarily care enough to watch it or whatever, if somebody else w- wants to watch the show, we can and very easily, just by discussing Oshinoko, ruin the thriller aspect of the opening episode. The opening episode is a thriller, straight up. And 
to be fair, I've only seen the first two episodes. And like the the first episode is a movie length. So yeah. it's 90 minutes and it is a wild ride. But it is self-contained as well. Like that like it obviously okay. leads that there's more going on, but it's like it's it, like it, a new hope. It's fully contained. But like yeah. in a new hope, you don't think that they've beaten the empire forever by the end of it like darth vader's still out there i guess it'll be a shorter discussion than i envisioned more time for yeah, no. fantasy, i guess <laughs> yeah well i mean it's not that we don't want to talk about it it's that if we talk about it in a like i highly recommend the anime it is a very good show very high production values um it's an i like it's an anime that revolves around Japan's entertainment industry, specifically in idols. And, um, it is, it touches uh, a little bit upon other areas, but that's uh, the main area. Right. Well, like I said, specifically on idols, not completely on idols. Um, and I have to say like, it is worth a watch. Even if you're not like an anime fan by and large, it is a fantastic show. Um, and like I said, the opening episode, strong, like hour and a half episode, and it is a thriller though. Like it is set up as a slice of life. It like you think it's going to be a slice of life from the get go, and then it takes a sharp left turn, and it just gets wilder from there. Yeah, I think that that was ultimately the thing that kind of again, again, I, I mentioned this earlier off off podcast, but I I did like it. I just it's one of those moments where like it gut punched me in a way that I wasn't expecting, and so I'm at like that confusion level where like I just I I wanna I wanna finish it, but I don't know if I got it in me at the moment, and it's just like. I feel like a lot of for a lot of people, I think if they went in knowing that it wasn't wholly, not everything was the way it seems. I guess is a way I can say that without being too spoilery. Um, uh, I kind of I, I I explained it to GTA by saying that it's similar to another anime called Ga- uh, Gakko Garashi, which I don't feel bad spoiling that because it's, it's kind of kind of old now, and I feel like it, nobody's gonna fucking go watch that at, at this point, especially once I spoil it a little bit. But um, the the way Gakko Garashi opens up is it shows like the school life of like four very chibi, cutesy anime girls running around having a fucking blast at high, in high school life. Uh, but if you pay attention to the background, there's a bunch of weird shit happening that doesn't really add up. Like at one, you see like the fucking glass in the windows are all broken. It's like why the fuck is the glass all broken? That's weird. And then you realize you're seeing life through the eyes of the main character who's like mentally broken. Like she has lost all sanity in in her because it's a zombie apocalypse and her other three friends are just trying to keep everyone alive while she's fucked in the head. And it's like, it really like just like snaps you out of it at the end. It's a really good, really good episode. The rest of the anime kind of drops the ball a little bit, but um, obviously entirely different genres between the two animes, but it had that same like twist to it that I just wasn't, I wasn't ready for it. I kind of wish I knew that there was something coming. I probably would have been better prepared for it, but yeah, no, definitely. It doesn't like, if you're not 
um, yeah, if you're not uh, aware of the source material, then it does feel like everything comes out of left field. In fairness, if I read the manga, which I will readily admit I've never read a single manga, um, that uh, I would probably have not been... Well, obviously, I wouldn't have been surprised. I would have been surprised then when I read the manga. Uh, but that's... Like, that, that's one of those things. It's, it's definitely like... Uh, you know, any sort of uh, movie that lines up to be like, oh, it's going to be... Uh... Actually, you know what, Dylan? Um, it reminds me of uh, The Unbearable uh, Weight of Massive Talent. Oh, okay. It opens up very fun. I mean, granted that one, that's fun basically the whole way through. But it does get serious at one point. And, you know, Slice of Life anime often gets serious at some point. Um, but Fuck, it's usually uh, much more mundane. The, one of the older Slice of Lives that was like like the pinnacle of anime for a while, uh, Clanad, um, the entire gets last half gets grim, like dark as shit. Clanad it gets very serious. Um, you know, uh, what is it? Some, I forget. Uh, Although it was always a little bit melodramatic. So I yeah. suppose maybe that's like a weird example, but it, it, it's, it fits. But it, it still, it, but again, like I said, it sets the tone in the first episode. It's just that the first episode's feature length. Um, yeah. A lot of anime are going to start doing that too. Apparently, uh, there's another one coming up, coming out called Feyren, which uh, I forget the premise of Feyren offhand. I I wanted to read the manga once upon a time, and I think the, all the guys like GTA and Hells are into it. Uh, oh, so it, therefore you couldn't read it because your friends liked it. Yeah, exactly. Damn. No, it actually did sound really interesting. I remember I brought it to them. I'm like, hey, have you guys heard of this? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's good. I was like, oh, okay. I guess I can't read it then. Jesus. Um, <laughs> no, fuck. But um, I think it's like something to do with the fact that like it's like a fantasy world where she kind of outlived her friends because she's an elf or something like that, I think. Yeah, that one. that's essentially uh, what the opening premise is. And yeah, but it's going to be two hours. It's, it's first episode. Makes sense. I mean, the... Um, what is it? Um... Demon Slayer this season opened with a feature length episode. Or no, no, oh. sorry. And well yeah. actually fuck to be fair, the last season opened up with a full fucking legitimate movie. Well so the, eight episodes well, worth the of, ghost of time. Well the Mugen train is a separate uh entity it, as far it's as separate, but they also uh the the next season the first eight episodes are Mugen Train. Just slightly mm. altered a little bit. I see. Yeah. Um there's, but, I think, like, the ending two episodes are, are like, worth watching. They're so different, but well, for the most part. The, no, what they did is they were telling it from uh, Flamey Boy's perspective. Yes. Yeah. So but it, for the most part, it does stay the same. Well, yeah, like, obviously. Especially in the first few the episodes. But uh, you're following his him and his uh, crew's perspective instead of uh, Tanjiro. But um, kind of where I'm getting at, though, yeah, I can see why they would be doing that, because... Basically, all these studios are given only 12, maybe 13 episodes. Like, it's a rare product that gets more than thir 13 episodes for their first season. Yeah. Um, the, uh, sometimes the, they split it into one cur and two cur, but... Yeah. I It's, it's weird, because, like, I, I... This might be, like, a bit of a stretch for me to say this, but I think that it was... Um, oh, fuck, I forget its name. Uh, 
Well, I guess Blood Blockade Battlefront was what the English title was. Well, that's a fucking ass. Oh, uh, Kekai Sensen. I had to think with that for a second. It, um, it, I think, paved the way for this, honestly. They were, they wanted to do the final episode, but they wanted to co- cover everything without, like, sacrificing anything. So it needed to be, like, 45 minutes long. Um, that's without, without commercials. So probably, like, an hour long, right? An hour long time space. And the studio wouldn't give it to them. So they said, all right, well, we're still going to make it that long. We'll wait three months until you can give us the, th- the time slot. And they did. And it probably was to their detriment. But it was a damn fucking good episode when it finally did come out. Like, like masterpiece of episodes, honestly. It just sucks that because it took so long, a lot of interest had already died. Uh, you know, so on and so forth. But, like, I think because that happened, now these studios are starting to see, like, oh, wait, fuck. Uh, it, we can maybe make, like, a really wicked starter episode. Instead of like a really wicked ending episode, um, it'll get people hooked because they're sitting down to watch a movie. We, we're putting more budget behind it, uh, and that'll just make our anime sell really well. Um, yeah, fucking, well, what, what, there was an anime re- recent. Oh, Chainsaw Man! Chainsaw Man did abysmal. By the way, I don't know if like I don't know if you guys have seen this. It, you know, it was super sought after. Super, you know, people didn't even think the anime was necessarily bad. It got outsold by something that was like hardly all that anticipated recently, and I forget the fuck it was now. Just a random thought to come to my head, but like just thinking about that though, it's just like so. Animes honestly, at this point, need to start doing something new because the really sought after, really like you know, um, beloved, uh, anticipated animes are not doing as well as they used to once upon a time. I mean, it makes sense, like... Um... Just add DMC mechanics, anime, come on. <laughs> Spice you. it up. <laughs> Give me a controller. I gotta, I gotta play along with the 30-minute time slot. It's actually a That's DMC anime, but it's, like, weird. It's, yeah, it's like, I think it's, I think people call it Devil May Cry 2.5 or, or something like that. It, like, leads, no, it's 3.5, I think. I fucking forget. It's between one of the games. It, it, it canonically takes place between. It, it's probably between yeah. three and one. That's actually that's what it was. It was three. It's three point five, but it's three and one. That's right. Because there's four Devil May Cry games, you know, one, three, four, and five. So. Yeah. I thought it was one, two, four, and five. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> no. I'm two. playing. <laughs> even even the um like it well like fans make that joke, but even even the uh, creator. He he doesn't say it's not canon. He just says that like it doesn't matter. <laughs> Even he doesn't really like it. Nothing that happened in it will matter. Yeah, he made sure of it. I think the only thing in it that matters is Trish and what happened in Nero. Uh, outside of that, everything else is just straight up. Is it two where they introduce Lady as well? Mm, I know. That's I think she's in three. Oh, okay. she's introduced yeah. in three. Oh, okay. Yeah, two is where Trish is introduced because she's supposed to be um, dead at the end of one, and then she's not dead. Yeah, she is. Oh, fuck, she's the likeness of uh, Nero and Dante's mother, and the 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 devil that was fucking around. Not Nero. Did, uh, not Nero. Did, but or not Nero. Sorry, I kept I'm saying Nero. I meant fucking Virgil. Fuck. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, I, the last two times I said Nero, I meant Virgil. Jesus. Um, Soon people are going to start to think that you think Devil May Cry is for weeps. Yeah, my Fucking, Jesus. It's, it's, yeah. Been, it's been a while and names I'm not all that great at, honestly. Surrender your gamer card now. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, anyways. Um, 
long story short, she's supposed to be their mother, or the likeness of their mother, um, as a way of like drawing them in. She's supposed to be like a, a trap for them, but uh, it kind of backfires. Uh, she kind of realizes that she's being used and sides with them, and uh, Virgil it gets turned into Angelo after going to the underworld in three. So th- that, that that's like the main takeaway, but like after that, nothing else fucking matters. Even the big bad villain that even did it to them doesn't even fucking so, matter. I, I'm sorry to break it to you, Vic, but you're actually describing various events that happened in one and three. Like in two, all that really matters uh, that you did mention is that Trish is confirmed alive and has a uh, devil sword Sparta. Right. I could have sworn him being consumed. Uh, he turns into Angelo in well, one. Cause, but... No, because two is after one. And yeah. three is a prequel to that is before one. So Fuck, all that Angelo stuff is all fucked up. Yeah. yeah. But you God know what? It's it. okay. I, I recently played all the Devil May Cry games, right? And in like a marathon because I kind of skipped over it when I was young. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which it makes me feel like pretty good. Like, like I can speak about this stuff with some authority instead of being like, oh, I heard of that game. I've watched the trailer on that, that demo disc that EGM sent me so many times. But like, no, I've actually played it now. And uh, I like them a lot. I, though I, you know, gave you know, new game of a year to me, uh, to stranger in paradise. That's a story for another day. But, uh, I did like those games a lot and, uh, I'm really liking the new final fantasy. Cause it's like, it's like that, but RPG, I guess. Yeah. Um, before I, I get dragged back into that rabbit hole, is there anything else you guys wanted to cover on this episode? We should probably wrap up soon. No, I'm pretty uh, okay. I think it's something that's probably worth mentioning. Cause this is old enough that even, even some of our, like, non-weeb casual anime uh viewers might be interested in uh they finally announced the i mean it's uh, the it's the year that it's coming out but we finally now know for certain what the spice and wolf uh project is and it's going to be a reboot and i am beyond excited about it i have heard of that yeah it it's it's one of the so i guess for the quiff click cliff notes it's uh economy the anime and it, it, it takes place from a traveling merchant who stumbles upon a harvest god in his hometown and she's like i'm i'm tagging along with you and kind of they kind of explore why she's doing that and all this other stuff and it's really cool i'm heavily paraphrasing but it, it's it, it's a very one of those like heartwarming heartwarming not very weeby shows it, it, well at least the original wasn't. I mean, who the fuck knows what they're about to do to it? But and don't worry about it. I, I, anyway, I want to make at least one promise for next episode. Uh, and for context, today's date is the 29th of June. Uh, there is a holiday coming up, and I'm really trying to beat this fucking Final Fantasy game. So I don't know when this episode will go live. And our last episode, like, came out like last week on the 18th or whatever it was, right? So, uh, and that one was recorded. I th- what was it the third like at the beginning of the month so i've been a little slacking on the edits right and this game isn't making it any easier <laughs> so uh don't know when God this episode's God. coming out but i promise we will talk about battle bit next time i'm gonna try to play it some more if i can uh i know vic you've been thinking about buying it but your funds are a little limited money comes in soon yeah so and, and it's gonna be like 400 bucks this month let's fucking go and rick if you were just hearing about this for the first time it's like it's like a a combined arms game like planet side but it's like pixelated it almost looks like roblox which might be a turnoff but the game is apparently so solid that it don't matter our, uh, our it, good friend kamikaze uh from planet side youtuber uh he's been playing it and covering it it's pretty fun hydra's been addicted to it it's got all the right stuff it just looks kind of goofy 
but you know i can live it with that. looks goopy but it's the gameplay we've been wanting it's, it's what we L- want largely it, it's most of what we want out of planet side and or battlefield that neither uh is offering not due to a lack of players in planet side or a uh, lack of mechanics in, in battlefield but because um just the way things are i guess uh battle bit seems to be where people interested in that kind of game are currently at and i think we should participate uh but it is 15 dollar dollar bills uh so it's like 100 bucks for victim <laughs> yeah it's like a, it's like fucking a thousand jesus goddamn man <laughs> fucking canada Anyways, I promise we'll cover that next episode. I will play it at least one more time before that. Uh, No promises because of Final Fantasy, though. Um, If I finish Final Fantasy, we'll probably cover that, too. But I promise I will not take as much time because we won't probably talk about the review feedback. Because, by the way, um, not that review scores matter, but if you look on Metacritic and OpenCritic, it's scoring really high. It's like 88. Um, And sales-wise, it is on par with 7 Remake, uh, which, considering there's a lot fewer PS5s in circulation than PS4s, is impressive. So like, yeah. like I was saying, sixteen does not need you to defend it. It's fine. It's a great game. Um, Clive is hot. Right. He so, is. I've seen the art. He is very hot. Victim agrees with you. <laughs> she can't hear you. Anyway, he is, he's literally on fire. <laughs> literally on fire. No, uh, this man is on fire. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> All right, so this is a value for value production, everybody. We got no boosts to read today, but we appreciate all the stats, the stats that you stream. And if you're listening on Spotify, I don't judge you, but I really think you should give Fountain FM a try. Um, and yeah, uh, we'll get back to you next time. Promise to cover Battle Bit. Um, I got shit to do. I'm going to end it right there, boys. Talk to you all later. Bye. Okay, we're back. Okay. Say that again. Yeah. <laughs> so what game are you playing? I decided, uh, well, I didn't decide. I mean, Dream decided that we were going to play Black Desert Online again. Okay. I'm sorry, Rick. Victim told me about it before, but he promised. I promised I, I'd keep it a secret. I, was half, my jo- I was half joking because Psychus already knew, apparently. Well, because Dream probably asked her if she wanted to join. Or I don't know what how it happened. I just know that, that he was like, "Oh yeah, she already knows." So Rick probably knows. So I was like, "Oh okay." We, so that's why I, that's why I never mentioned it I, I, before, earlier. Actually, is the funny thing. But yeah, no, it just uh, on a whim. Uh, he told me that they changed the way gearing works apparently, and you just get free pen boss gear from playing. Like you don't need to enhance to it. It's like, oh well, that fucking already eliminates the one part of the game I fucking hated. Um, it's not quite that easy, I guess. We we thought it was easier than it is, but. That still sounds better at the end of the day. So I was like, "Yeah, fuck it. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Why not?" Uh, and I, uh, I, I, I've been having fun, unfortunately. How does that make you feel, Rick? Was it because I don't want to record for too long? Ugh, it makes me feel like victim is uh, needs an intervention. Honestly, <laughs> probably. <laughs> All right, so next podcast episode, we will have the intervention of victim 130. Maybe we'll drag Dream along. That'd be funny. At the okay. very least, they could explain what they're getting out of it. What is the current state of Black Desert Online? To be fair, our cage drops at the end of summer, so uh, that'll probably yeah, that'll suck happen me away. too. It'd be a fun <laughs> excuse to have Dream on the show, though. I will admit, you guys are just killing yourselves. It's it it's a it's a poison. Yeah, it is. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs>